0: The U.S. Food and Drug Administration recently released new guidance documents on the promotion of drugs and devices for off-label uses that some manufacturers say violate their First Amendment rights to free speech. How do we balance companies' rights and interests with the public's need for scientifically sound information about drugs and devices? I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Kevin Outterson, a professor of health law, bioethics, and human rights at the Boston University School of Law. Professor Ouderson has written a perspective article on clinical trial transparency as a possible antidote to permissiveness regarding off-label promotion. Professor Ouderson, can you give us a little history here? What was the impetus behind these new guidance documents on off-label promotion? The FDA has for many years
1: offered their opinions on what companies were permitted to do in terms of promoting a drug or a device for an indication that was not on the label. The FDA wants companies to do the research required to get a label change. And so they would prefer that if a company found information about an off-label use, that they go through the clinical trials and go through the approval process for a supplemental new drug application, a label change. Instead, what's happened, as we all know, companies have a lot of opportunities to promote and sell the drug for purposes that aren't shown on the label. The FDA is concerned that this isn't being done with the patient and the doctors having appropriate amounts
0: of unbiased scientific information. In general, what kinds of activities do these new guidance documents allow and what kinds do they not allow? The sort of questions they ask,
1: some of them are quite old and some of them are very modern. So an example of a modern one is, what do you do about Facebook posts? If somebody likes a drug or a social media site in which there's discussion going on back and forth, what happens if one of those comments was posted by an employee of the drug company? Is that an advertisement? Is that a promotion or is that something else? In a similar vein, if you go on the internet, you'll see a website devoted to almost every imaginable disease. Some of those websites might be sponsored by the company, but others might be sponsored by charitable organizations associated with that disease with some funding from the company, or perhaps the company provides some commentary or information to the site. And so what do you do with that type of interaction between social media, and the public and the drug companies. Is that advertising? It's not just the full-page advertisement and good housekeeping or something that the FDA has to concern themselves with.
0: You also mentioned in your article that the FDA is reinforcing better disclosure of conflicts of interest. How do conflicts of interest play into this?
1: Well, I should have said at the beginning, the guidance that they offer is really what lawyers would call a safe harbor. The FDA is saying, companies, if you follow these rules, We won't consider what you've done to be inappropriate. And so the companies don't have to follow the rules precisely. It just constrains the FDA's ability. So they've said, if you do this, then it's fine with us. So examples of what they've said is that on conflicts of interest, we want, if a textbook or if a review is published, we want the conflicts of interest, the financial conflicts of interest to be transparent so that everyone who reads it thinking this is an authoritative, independent review of the evidence resulting in a guideline or a review article or a textbook, they want the audience, physicians, patients, to know whether there was some
0: sort of other financial interest involved in preparing it. You argue that since the current Supreme Court's interpretation of the First Amendment seems to be constraining the FDA's influence over marketing practices, we need to have greater transparency about clinical trial results to make sure that the information from those trials is available to physicians and patients and is solid and valid. Have others, including the FDA itself, made that connection?
1: No, to my knowledge, that connection has not been made explicitly before. And if you looked at these guidance documents, it's just really amazing how tentative and how deferential the FDA is being. So most people listening to this podcast will be familiar with a black box warning on a drug label. The FDA at the beginning of this document has essentially a black box warning saying, we're just telling you this is not a rule, this is not a regulation. When we say should, we mean if you want to, you can do this. They almost bend over backwards to make it clear that this is not the FDA telling companies what they must do. It's only the FDA offering guidance if a company wants to make the FDA happy, it should do. So what that tells me is the FDA has done an internal review And they've decided, based on what the Supreme Court has been saying in the past few years on First Amendment, particularly with drug promotion, that they don't want to get even close to a Supreme Court case on this. They've backed off tremendously. So if we're in an environment in which the FDA has had to back off far more carefully than they have 10 or 15 years ago in terms of off-label promotion, That's another way of saying that the world is being flooded by information created by the drug companies. The social media world, the physician's world, the peer-reviewed literature, everything. There's a lot of information out there that's coming from a company source. The goal of the second piece of my argument is that clinical trials transparency is another way that doesn't violate the First Amendment that allows independent researchers and physicians and patients to evaluate the veracity or the power or the significance of all this information that's being pushed out into the market.
0: This is often information that the drug companies have considered proprietary, and they therefore may object to greater transparency. Do you see this going to the courts as well if the FDA begins to push for it? Drug companies and device companies
1: have never had a right, any right, to hide safety-related information. So if they have in their possession, if they know that there's a safety problem, if there's some sort of signal that they're picking up based on their information, they've never been allowed to not share that with the government or to say that it's trade secret. What they're more concerned about, historically, is if they've done a research program and if they've decided that this one area is rich and they have a drug and they have efficacy information and they don't want to share all the details of that with their competitors. What's happening now, though, is that so many drugs are coming to market, and some of them extraordinarily clear evidence of greater efficacy. It's it's hard to compare drug A and drug B and drug C. Especially governments in Europe have been forcing additional disclosures in order for them to evaluate which drug is safer and has more efficacy. And so the companies have resisted in some sense, but several companies have taken the lead, as discussed in the Perspective, and have agreed to limited transparency of their clinical trial data at the patient level, which I think is a remarkable step forward for science. It allows independent researchers who don't have an agenda to try to tear down the company, these are competitors, these are independent researchers, giving them the opportunity to reanalyze the data and to check the methodological choices that were made and to confirm, you know, hopefully, what the companies have been saying about their drugs.
0: As you say, in Europe, the transparency movement is considerably ahead of where it is in the United States. Why is that, and how do you see it playing out in the long run? It certainly is at a different place in Europe, but the United States is
1: engaged in a thoughtful process right now. The Institute of Medicine is looking at this issue We've two high-profile examples of repositories, data systems being set up by Johnson & Johnson and Klein, in the United States involving U.S. researchers. So, This is moving forward on both sides of the Atlantic. What's different in Europe is that Europe seems to have made the decision that the clinical study reports and the patient-level anonymized data should, as a matter of right, be available to independent researchers, whereas in the United States, that decision has not yet been made by government. Some leading companies have made it and said this is the right thing to do. We're going to do this as leaders, but the governments haven't made a clear decision, the U.S. government, to require that. And so that will be an interesting process to see if Europe does this, as the European Union appears to be moving forward on. After a year or two of experience with that, the debate will almost be irrelevant in the United States. Because if these drugs are approved in both the United States and the European Union, if the EU releases the data, then it doesn't make a difference if the US releases it or not. It'll be available to US researchers. The results will be available to US policymakers. And so as long as one government gets it right, then I think we'll have an advance here.
0: Thank you, Professor Aderson.